in the music and worship life of Dauphin Way. We remember fondly and remember with much gratitude the great legacy of John Ricketts. We remember as well the short but fruitful work of Howard MacPhail. And today we give thanks for Trey who has come to join us, to lead us. We welcome him and we are glad he's here. Trey, you have come to a church with a great musical heritage. Colleen is simply unsurpassed at the bench of the magnificent organ. She is not only gifted, but also knows us and knows our idiosyncrasies, and she can help you help us do our best and be our best. We have wonderful choirs. We have wonderful ensembles. They love making melody to the Lord, and they offer their music as an offering to God and a gift to the congregation. But most of all, we are a people who relish worshipful music. And so we are grateful that you are here, grateful that you are here to the end, that you will help us know even more the glorious sound of God's glory. And sisters and brothers, an important part of that sound is the joyful noise that you and I make with our own voices. Some of us are able to sing in the choir, others of us are not. Now, I'm up there with the choir because that's where I have to be, and I stand next to choir members. And when I stand next to some of the great voices in our choir and I hear my own feeble effort, I am reminded of what Ross Perot said once. Ross Perot was on the stage, the debate stage, and he was standing between George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton. And Ross Perot said, I'm just an old cur dog up here. And so that's about the way I feel next to these real singers. But my howling matters, and so does yours. One of the great mysteries of music, and it is a mystery to me, how a group of imperfect singers can blend to produce so pleasing a result. Our daughter was in show choir when she was in high school, and there was not a solo voice among them. There were 30 or 40 young people in that choir, maybe more than that, really 50, 60 maybe, and there was not a single one of them who had a good solo voice. And yet when you put them all together, it was magnificent. They won all sorts of competitions and just sounded wonderful. That's the way it is with music. It is a mystery how it works. It is a wonderful mystery. Plato said of music that it is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe, he said, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, charm and gaiety to life and to everything. Pythagoras, who was, of course, a mathematician, saw a correlation between mathematics, astronomy, and melody. He said, there is geometry in the humming of the strings. There is music in the spacing of the spheres. Godfred Leibniz went even further, saying that music is an unconscious exercise in arithmetic in which the mind does not know that it is counting. Now, I like that kind of math. 
don't you? I seldom agree with Friedrich, Friedrich Nietzsche, but Nietzsche was right when he said that a world without music would be a mistake. How grateful we are for music. Whatever else music is, it is the medium of heaven. The book of Revelation describes how in heaven the redeemed sing the songs of the Lord. They sing a new song. The Psalms call us to worship God with instruments and voice, as Dr. Campbell read this morning. In our epistle lesson this morning, Paul says that the Christian life, life in the Spirit, is a life of singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making melody in your hearts to God. We read this morning how Jesus and his disciples, after that first Lord's Supper, sang the hymn, and then they went out. Many biblical scholars believe that the Scripture contains ancient hymns. They see in the syntax and structure of Scripture hymn-like qualities. Some of our favorite Bible verses were probably sung before they were ever spoken or before they were ever written. Music matters in the church. It is a part of God's kingdom coming. It is a part of God's will being done on earth as in heaven. It is the very joy of heaven to earth come down. It is impossible to imagine music without the church, and it is impossible to imagine the church without music. I think of those great monastic mothers and fathers who, who went out into the desert seeking solitude, and theirs was primarily a life of silence, and yet they broke that silence to chant, to sing. We remember the medieval church and how confused and contorted it became at certain points, and yet despite all of that, the church had and made great music. Martin Luther, the reformer, was keen to translate and teach the songs of the church in the language of the people. He regretted that there were not more songs that were in the vernacular. And of course, John Wesley, our founder, found great joy and great power in the singing of hymns. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you remember how John Wesley was moved and impressed by the singing of the Moravians as they were on a ship crossing the Atlantic Ocean. John Wesley cared so much for singing that he gave instructions for it. It was so important to him that he advised the people called Methodists on how they should sing. And his instructions are printed right there at the very front of our hymnal. Listen to John's counsel on singing. This is what he says. Learn these tunes before any others, that being the tunes in the hymnal. Afterwards, learn as many as you please. Sing them exactly as they are printed here without altering or mending them at all. And if you have learned to sing them otherwise, unlearn it as soon as you can. Sing all. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, take it up, and you will find blessing. Sing lustily and with good courage. 
Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. But lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor ashamed of its being heard, than when you sung the songs of Satan. This is my favorite. Sing modestly. Do not bawl so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation, that you may not destroy the harmony, but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one clear melodious sound. Sing in time. Whenever time is sung, be sure to keep it. Do not run before or stay behind, but attend closely to the leading voices and move therewith as exactly as you can. And take care not to sing too slow. This drawling way naturally steals on all who are lazy. And it is high time we drive it from us. Sing all our tunes just as quick as we did at the first. And then finally, this really is my favorite. Above all, sing spiritually. Have an eye to the God, have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound, but offered to God continually. So shall your singing be such that the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh in the clouds of heaven. That is John Wesley's counsel. And, of course, John Wesley's brother, Charles Wesley, was a hymn writer. He wrote over 6,000 hymns, 52 of which are contained in our United Methodist hymnal. Choirs, solos, duets, trios, quartets, quintets, sextets, choral ensembles, all of these are such a blessing, and we are so grateful for them. Instruments well played add so much to worship. As good and as important as these things are, however, they cannot take the place of congregational singing. Singing our faith together matters. It matters because our faith is such that it cannot simply be recited. It needs melody. It needs harmony. It needs rhythm. When we sing our faith together, then every person's unique voice is added to every other person's unique voice, and we make a united declaration of what we believe and what we feel. We declare aloud that of which we dream, that for which we pray, that for which we strive. Singing our faith gives faith an opening into our hearts, our minds, our souls. Singing our faith invites the Holy Spirit to energize us, dwell in us, infuse us, and form us into the very ones we are made to be. Singing our faith moves us into the mystery and the majesty of the artistic moment. It is a moment when words transcend words, when words come alive. When we sing together, we cause the very life-sustaining atmosphere around us to vibrate, to vibrate to the praise of the Lord, to vibrate with beauty that moves us. Singing our faith matters because our it is our faith that we sing. This hymnal 
is a treasure book. It is a treasure book. The words of the hymns are carefully ordered. They are poetic expressions of that which matters most to us, of that which moves us most deeply. Especially for us Methodists, this is our theology book. Reading a hymn is a great devotional exercise. Singing it with others is even better. Singing our faith is the best way to guarantee that when we need it, our faith will be there. I remember when my father was stricken with dementia and he lived in an assisted living with others who were suffering from that disease. And many of the residents there had moved to the place where they could no longer verbalize. They could no longer speak in complete sentences. Some of them could barely speak at all. They'd forgotten who they were and who we were as family members. They were in this place of forgetfulness. And yet, when we would have a worship service and we would begin to sing the hymns, they would come alive, and they would remember those words and sing them with great passion. Their faith was there in those hymns. Singing our faith matters because it is a wholesome witness, a winsome gesture of hospitality to any who happen to bless us with their presence. Nothing is less inviting to a guest than a congregation that sings as if it's half asleep. When we sing together, we share the joy with one another and with any who come our way. And so, Trey, you're going to do a a great job with all of the specialized ministries of music of our church. I predict that the number of choirs and the number of choir members will increase as will the offerings of choral and instrumental music. And those offerings will just keep getting better and better. They are wonderful, and they will keep getting better. The fellowship of those who participate in choirs and ensembles will continue to flourish. It will be an important part of their spiritual life. There will be much joy in these specialized areas of music and worship at Dauphin Way. But I am also glad that you are committed to helping us do our very best with congregational singing. I am convinced that our average, above average, and below average voices can unite to make a true, truly joyful noise to the Lord. I see congregational singing every Sunday as a great offering that is ready to be made. And we have the privilege of making it. It is a great joy waiting to be experienced. We who are here in this space like traditional worship. And we like hymns. We also, many of us, like contemporary music and contemporary hymns. 
But for the most part, in this space, we relish the traditional hymns. Well, here they are in our hymnal, in our bulletin, before us. Every Sunday we get to sing them, and we have someone here to help us. Let's make the most of this opportunity. There is that line in Come Christians Join to Sing, that last stanza that says, Death shall not end the strain. The music we sing here will follow us the rest of our lives. It is a great blessing, a great gift. And so, let us rise and let us sing our closing hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. I believe it's number 66. Is that right? No. 64, excuse me, 64. He's already helping me out here. (laughs) Hymn number 64, let us stand and sing unto the Lord.
again for being here this morning. As we go this morning, we're grateful uh, for the uh, family of the Stockman and the Lee family who joined with us this morning. We invite them to come up and, and uh, after the service, and you all will please greet them and welcome them into the life of our church. We're so very delighted to have them as members and to baptize this precious little one today. What a joy. It's been good to be together. Thank you for being here. And we go now in God's grace and in God's peace. And as we go, may the love of God our Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us now and always. Amen. Amen.